Likutei Sichos, Chelikut Ches, Volume 18, the first Sicha for Parsha Shlach. Before beginning the Sicha, I would strongly suggest that you review the story in the previous Parsha of Miriam and the Lashon Horus he said about Moshe, her brother, and the story of the Miraglim, and most specifically verses 27 through and including verse 31. This is a Rashi Sicha. And in this sicha, we're going to appreciate and we're going to learn, you know, several new uh, points in Rashi, several of the Kloli Rashi, the rules in Rashi, which we're very familiar with already, and we come to appreciate them even more. Uh, for example, the rule that Rashi, even in his Dibur Hamaschil, in the heading of Rashi, is also very specific and very, very apropos to his Pirush to his explanation of the Pasik and see how that adds to the Pshute Shemikra, to the meaning of the verse. Also, we'll see that Rashi doesn't just ask questions and give explanations, but it's always absolutely necessary and important and prudent to Pshute Shemikra. And also, we'll come to appreciate very much how every single word, every single expression of Rashi is so absolutely necessary for that particular explanation that Rashi is giving on the Pasuk and how it brings out the depth and the and the precision of Rashi's explanation. So in the beginning of the Parsha, Rashi in, in, in the heading, Shlach Lecho Anashim, send to you people. So Rashi asks, Lomo Nismecho Parshas Meraglim Parshas Miriam. Why was the story of the Miraglim put in such close proximity to the story of Miriam? Meaning, the end of last week's Parsha was the story of Miriam. Immediately, right after, comes our Parsha, the story of the Miraglim. So Rashi answers, Because Miriam was punished because of matters of, or occupation of gossip, of talking, that she spoke, she she spoke in her brother. And these wicked ones, they saw, they saw what happened, and they did not take a lesson from it, and they did what they did. So we need to understand there are several questions here. First of all, what's Rashi's question in the first place? Why does the story of the Miraglim come in such close uh, justification, just uh, su such close proximity to the story of Miriam, the fact is that it happened right afterwards. In other words, it's true that many times in the Torah, the Torah does not record events in the exact sequence of events that they happen. But in this case, this is how it happened. Right after the story of Miriam, right after they traveled, that's when they sent the spies. So why you ask the question in the first place? Another question, why in the heading, which we understand this entire Rashi, is not about a specific question or specific point in the story. Rather, it's about the general story, why it comes in justification to the story of Miriam. So why does Rashi put in the heading the words, Lecho Anoshim, Shlach Lecho Anoshim, send to you people. Why didn't you just put the word Shlach, as he does many times when he explains something in the beginning of a Parsha, in the beginning of an event or in the beginning of a story, Rashi just puts one word as a heading in order to tell us the general subject about what he's going to talk about, the subject matter. 
Why does he find it necessary to add these two words in the heading? Another question. Why is it that Rashi says that Miriam was punished for iske diba, for matters of, of, of talking, for matters of gossip? Why didn't you just say that she spoke Lashin Hara? For the fact that she spoke evil gossip, she spoke something negative about Moshe. Why does it say that she's because of matters of chatter, of iske diba, that she spoke, she spoke too much? Moreover, it is another place where Rashi actually points out that the word dibur, diba, which means chatter, you know, talking excessively, could sometimes also lead to good things. In other words, it's not inherently or necessarily negative when somebody is involved, somebody is engaged in chatter. So why didn't Rashi say it more specifically and say, because she spoke Lashon Hara, and so they did too, and therefore they were punished. Another question, why does Rashi add the words that she spoke about her brother? I mean, if anybody looks into the story, you know what happened there, and she spoke about her brother Moshe. Why is it prudent into this explanation, to this Rashi, to know that Miriam, to point out, that is, that Miriam spoke about her brother? Another question, what is Rashi pointing out with the words, Urishoyim halolu, these wicked ones. Why does he have to emphasize these wicked ones? Why didn't he just say, and they, which we all know who is they, they, meaning the spies, saw what happened to her and they didn't take a lesson. Why does he have to emphasize that they are the wicked ones and they did not take the lesson? And another question is, why does Rashi emphasize that they saw what happened to her? They saw what happened to Miriam and they didn't take a lesson. Why didn't he just say uh, plain and simple, they didn't take a lesson from the story. Why add the word that they saw what happened to her and they still didn't take a lesson? So to understand all of this, we should introduce first a very important question, actually a very fundamental question, which the Ranban asks, Nachmanides. And he asks the following. Really, if you think about it, what really was so bad with what they did? In other words, they were punished so severely. Not only were they punished, all of the Jews were punished. What did they do that was so inherently bad? The fact is that they were sent on a mission. What was their mission? Their mission is that they were, as they were told, go see what's going on over there. Go see how fortified the cities are. Go see and observe how strong they are and how confident they are in their strength and come back and report. And that's what they did. That's what they did. They came back and they said, they gave an account they gave a report of exactly what they saw and what they experienced. Why is it that this is considered to be so bad? What is their grave sin in what they, in what they saw? And if you, if you say that perhaps one would suggest that what is it that they did wrong? That they drew a conclusion. And what did they say at the end of their words? We are, won't be able to do this. This is just something that we cannot achieve. We cannot go we cannot go up there and conquer this land because they are so strong. But that isn't really all of their sin. In other words, that isn't really what they did so terribly wrong. Number one, if you look closely in the verses, you see that as soon as they gave their account, just literally giving over a report of what they saw and what they experienced, immediately Kalev, who was the righteous one of the pack, who was the righteous one from the twelve, he and Yeshua, Kalev immediately cut them off and tried to change 
the course of the impression of that they were, that they were giving. Immediately he said, no, it's not so difficult. We could do this. What is it that they said that was so bad? What is it that they said that was so wrong that Kalev immediately read into it and immediately understood what they were saying and therefore immediately jumped in? Only after his, uh, his, his um, uh, words do we find that they said no, they reiterated or they in fact stated for the very first time, no, we cannot do this. While he said you can, we could go up there, we could do this, we could conquer the land and they, spe- and they specified no, we cannot. And by the way, even in that, we can even find some merit with that. They didn't say, we're not going to go. We're not going to listen to Hashem. They just said, this is not possible. This is not attainable. This is not something that we can do. And if you think about it, they did the right thing. They did what they were tasked with doing. They were tasked with going there and observing and evaluating Bidera meaning on the natural means, natural cause, natural means of things, to see how strategically it's possible to go up and do it. So what they did is they came back and they said that Bederachateva, by natural means, this is not something we can do because they are naturally stronger than us, more confident than us, and, and therefore we cannot do it. They didn't say that we cannot, we're not going to listen to Hashem. All they did is what they said that this is not normally physically possible. If Hashem wants to do it, Hashem will create a miracle. But this is not physically possible. And in fact, you can see from the reaction of Yekalev, what did Kalev say? As Rashi explains his words, Kalev said, quote, even if Hashem tells us to take ladders and go up to the sky, we'll do it. He used a term which is also supernatural. In itself, you see what it's saying. It's saying is, I agree with you that naturally this is not attainable. Naturally, we cannot accomplish this. We cannot conquer the land. But still, even if Hashem would tell us to do something as supernatural as going up to the sky, going up to the heavens, we'll do that too. So again, what is so wrong with what they said? The whole purpose of them being sent was to find out the natural means what the situation is. And that's what they did. They came back and they said the truth. So this is what Rashi is coming to answer. This is why Rashi tells us that the juxtaposition of the parshas, the fact that the two parshas, the story of Miriam and the story of the Miraglim, why they come so close together, why one right after the other. You see, because this is what Rashi is trying to explain. This is what Rashi is going to answer. And through this, we'll understand what was so wrong or what they did. You see, the fact that these two episodes occurred one right after the other is still not a reason that they should come in such close proximity in the Torah, meaning in the narrative, the way the Torah records it. We do find sometimes, as the case in the previous parsha, just the last parsha we learned, that sometimes the Torah inserts a something which seems to be foreign to the, the conversation, something that's foreign to the topic, in order to create a separation, a barrier between one thing and another. In other words, the Torah sometimes injects something which doesn't seem to really belong there in order to create a separation and to detach the two narratives, the two stories. 
For example, in the previous parsha, where it says Vayihib and Soha Aron, and Rashi clearly says it doesn't really belong there, but the Torah wanted to separate between one bad episode and another one. Here too, when we learn these two stories, Rashi says that immediately the question becomes that the Torah should have separated the two. The Torah should have put them apart. The Torah should have injected something else, inserted something else, in order to distinctly separate the two. Why? Because when one reads these two stories in such close proximity, one may get the wrong idea that the reason why they come together is because they are similar. Meaning that the same thing that happened with Miriam is the same thing that happened with the spies. Or perhaps that the spies and Miriam are all on the same level and they basically did the same thing. But however, the truth is that there is a tremendous and fundamental difference between the two. When you look at the story of Miriam, true she was punished, meaning for being on the level that she was. So considering that what she did was considered to be a sin, and therefore she was punished. But still, what do you see? What was the final outcome? That although she was punished, yet all B'nai Yisrael waited seven days until they traveled. And they only waited till she became healthy. And once she was healthy and, and pure again and ready to travel, then they all traveled. Whereas the Miraglim, the spies, what happened to them? They died. They were punished severely with a terrible, terrible punishment. So one would say, wait, perhaps the reason why it comes so close together is perhaps the Torah is indicating that really they're on the same level. The only reason that the spies were punished so severely is not so much because of who they were because what they did what they did perhaps wasn't inherently so bad or not as worse any worse than what Miriam did rather because it led to such a terrible outcome because it led to such terrible consequences namely that the Jews all cried and the Jews all now were punished and had to remain in the desert and couldn't enter at Israel therefore they were punished so severely but really perhaps one would get the idea because of the the close proximity of these two portions of these two stories that perhaps are on the same level and this is the reason why Rashi adds in his heading the words Lecha Anashim remember that when Rashi when, when Hashem said to Moshe send to you to you means in accordance with your mind in accordance with your decision we and what did he call them Anashim men men of great stature this would add to one's reasoning and one's coming to conclusion that perhaps these people, these Miraglim, these spies were on the same level of Miriam. The same level of Miriam meaning that they did not sin so gravely, rather it's because of the outcome, because of the consequences, because of what it led to, therefore they were punished so severely. But rather, but one would think that really it's they're pretty much similar and, and, and one and the same, you know, the story of Miriam and the story of the, of the Miraglim, and that they're perhaps on the same on the same uh, uh, level in terms of their in, of their piety and their righteousness, you know, namely Miriam and the spies, and that's why Rashi asks, "What's going on here? Why were they put in such close proximity?" And this is why he explains that Rashi answers that is that why did the Torah put them in such close proximity? Not because they're on the same level, not because the same, but rather that the nature of the sin was the same. And furthermore, that because of the lessons that they should have taken from Miriam, because of the story that Miriam happened in such close proximity, this actually 
amplifies, this actually makes greater, makes worse the sin that they committed. That they saw what happened, and this now also explains why Rashi used the word they saw. They saw what happened means something that you see, you don't have to give much thought. Something that is you see means that it's obvious, it's clear, it's almost tangible. It's right there in front of you. They saw what happened to Miriam. This was so obvious a lesson that the fact that they didn't take a lesson and they ignored it is such a grave sin. And that's why Rashi emphasizes also, he puts in the words, Urishoyim Halolu, and these wicked ones, to emphasize, to stress the fact that they were in no way, not even close to the level of Miriam, and in no way is their sin anywhere as subtle as what happened with Mir- to, Mir- to Miriam, rather that they were tremendously wicked, tremendously evil in what they did. What did they do? So let's take a moment to look, to, uh, to observe. If we analyze it, what is it really that Miriam did? What happened by Miriam? Miriam saw that there were two people who were prophesizing. And immediately she reacted when she heard the wife of Moshe saying, Zipporah said, oh, their wives are now going to be left without husbands, just like my husband left me. And Miriam went speaking about it. Miriam couldn't understand what's going on here. Why would Moshe leave his wife only because he's a prophet? We too, meaning I, Miriam, and my brother Aaron were also on a great level of prophecy. We also hear from Hashem. We also get to speak to the Shekhinah. And we didn't, you know, discontinue our married lives, the normal way of life, the normal way of a living person. So she couldn't understand. Why did Moshe do so? Now the truth is, what was her mistake? Her mistake is that she didn't realize that Moshe was tremendously greater than even she and her brother Aaron. This was her mistake. She assumed, she, she felt, she surmised that she, Aaron, and Moshe are on the same level. And that was her mistake. She felt some kind of, some kind of um, closeness, if I may. She felt like some kind of, you know, uh, relation to Moshe Rabbeinu's high stature, high level. She didn't realize that it was exponentially greater than any level of prophecy that she knows of or that she can imagine. And the point is that her mistake was that even if she had a confusion, even if she had a question, even if she had something that she needed to understand, instead of engaging, and here's where Rashi uses the term, instead of engaging in matters of chatter and going around and talking about it, what should she have done? She should have taken the matter up to Moshe himself. She could have approached him privately and said to him, Moshe, my brother, what's going on here? Why did you leave your wife? Why is it that you did it? And maybe Moshe would have enlightened her and said to her, no, this is direct instructions of Hashem that I received that prompted me to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. Now we can understand how grave the sin of the Miraglim. You see, the Miraglim, they also, the, the spies, that is, they also did something similar. They knew that they are being sent, as it says, Al-Pi Hashem. It says in the verse that Moshe sent them in accordance with the directive of Hashem. So they felt like, wow, look who we are. We're on a high level. They understood that they're somebodies. They were sent by direct order of Hashem. Now, when they came to the land of Canaan, and as they described, the people were giant. The cities were fortified. 
And as they described, we felt in our eyes, we seemed to ourselves like little grasshoppers, like so insignificant, so so nothing. So they felt like, oh boy, we're not going to be able to do this. How is this possible? Here is where their sin came in. Here is where they should have taken a lesson from Miriam. You have a question. You have a doubt. You're not sure of yourself. You feel like you feel so small. You feel like you cannot, we're not, you're not going to be able to do it. You feel so insignificant like little grasshoppers compared to these great, great giants. When you come back, speak to Moshe about it. You have a problem, speak to Moshe. Don't talk to the people. Don't engage the iske diba. Don't engage in chatter. Don't share this with the people. And this is what Khalif jumped on as soon as he heard them speaking to the people about it. why are you sharing this with the people? Why are you sharing your insecurities with the people? Why are you doing this? You're causing them also to feel this way. Because if you, who were handpicked by Hashem, who was sent by directive, by direct order of Hashem, feel this way, how do you think they're going to feel? And now we can understand also why Rashi emphasizes the word ro'u they saw. They saw what happened to Miriam. You see, because the whole problem came over here of seeing. You see, the real question is, what really changed when the spy, between the time before the spies went to Israel to, to uh, inspect and to scout the land of Canaan and after they were already there? What really changed? The fact is that it was no secret to anyone that the people... The inhabitants of the land of Canaan were enormous giants and that they had fortified cities and that they were extremely strong and protective of their land. What changed? Why did they suddenly become so scared? So we know there's a rule. You cannot compare hearing to seeing. Meaning when you see something, it has a much greater and profound effect on you. So it's true. And this is not you know, no fault of their own. It's true that they were really unprepared to what they were going to see. When they came there and they saw it, it just had such a profound effect on them. It has such an impact on them. The enormity, the greatness of the power and the strength of the inhabitants of Canaan, that it scared them. Yeah, that it scared them. But that's what Rashi is emphasizing. Yes, you saw that. I understand. I under, we under, it can be understood and accepted that you're not so terrible for having become scared by what you saw. But you also saw something else. And that is that you saw. And again, seeing means that it has a profound impact. It's not something which, which uh, requires a lot of contemplation, a lot of introversion. It doesn't require a lot of meditation. It's something which is so obvious that it should have had an immediate and actual and obvious effect on you. Namely, what you saw that happened to Miriam, even though she had some relation to Moshe, and that's why Rashi puts in the words, that she spoke about her brother. She did have some connection to her brother, and therefore she was led to a mistaken conclusion that she and her brother are on the same level. But you, meaning you the spies, you don't have any business to consider your insecurities, the insecurities of the entire nation, to consider your fears to become the reality of everybody else. If you had a fear, you had to go and speak to Moshe himself 
and ask by him. So to sum it up, we see from Rashi how clearly there's a special connection between this story of the Miraglim of the spies and the story of Miriam. But really, it's not a connection by virtue of the fact that they were such great tzaddikim. That is why Rashi asks the question that it shouldn't have come in such close proximity. Rather, it has the connection of the, the impact of the lesson that they should have taken because it was so impactive, because something that they saw, and even though they saw something that scared them so much, they should have not done what they did, and that's why they were punished so severely, and that's why this was considered such a terrible sin.